I want to preach to you a, a sermon this morning that uh, I have been thinking on, working on for 10 years. Uh, it is the longest period of time I have ever worked on a message without preaching it. And the irony is that not only am I preaching a sermon I've been working on for 10 years, it was events that happened this week that motivated me to pick this up and preach it. As I was in the Philippines doing ministry over there, watching God do some amazing things, um, I was reading about some things happening back here in our own neighborhood. And this morning, I am burdened. You're, you're going to hear that come out in, in, my, in my message. I am heartbroken. I am uh, angry. I am saddened. And I have some really, really hard things to say this morning. And so I ask that you pray for me. Pray that I'm able to say the things that I believe God would have me to say, that I, I, I would say them with with boldness, but with love and with compassion. And so I just want to share my heart so you kind of have an idea of, of where, where my heart is this morning. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 23 says, Buy the truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. I want to look at that statement. Buy the truth and do not sell it. That is a statement I've spent 10 years thinking on. 10 years. Everything that follows by wisdom, instruction, and understanding, those are tenets of the bigger word, truth. The simple statement is, buy truth and do not sell it. Ten years I've been thinking on that statement. Buy the truth. This is a proverb that is pointed. It is direct. Buy the truth and do not sell it. These principles are so important that it's stated in command form. Like the Ten Commandments almost. These are commands. Buy the truth. That's a command. Do not sell it. That is a command. Yet there are so few who are truly buying the truth. And there are multitudes who are selling it. What does it even mean? There are four questions that I want to ask about this statement. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Four questions that have very plain answers. But I want us to look at these questions and I want us to consider the plain answers here concerning Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 23. Question number one, what are we told to do? What are we doing? The answer is Clear, it's unmistakable, buying. To my knowledge, this is the only thing that we are ever told or commanded to buy in the entire Bible. The truth. Now what does it mean to buy something? In order to buy something, you must first possess something else to buy it with. And in order to possess money or currency to buy something, you've got to work for it. You've got to put in some time 
and some effort in order to purchase this thing that you want to purchase. God says that's the way it is with the truth. If you want the truth, you're going to have to do a little bit of work to get to it. I'm going to make a statement that I made during the first service. I say this cautiously, but I say it with the intended purpose of the actual meaning of the word. We are living with the generation of all time that is more stupid than any others. Now, stupid in the meaning of the word stupid. It is a stupid generation that that, that we are seeing rise up where truth does not exist. We literally watched the uh, swearing in or the, the process of swearing in of a United States Supreme Court Justice who could not answer the question, what is a woman? I will say it again, we are living in one of the most stupid eras of time that has ever existed. And one of the reasons, listen to me, is because we have forgot how to buy the truth. We, li- we are living in a lazy generation. A generation where children are not being taught how to come to, to, to the truth. A generation of people who have, who have originally started out thinking that we can determine what's true by just saying, hey Google, tell me if this is true. Well then as time has gone on, you find out that you can't trust anything on Google. That there are 4,285 answers to any question that you want answered to. And so our young people are throwing up their hands and they're saying, well, how could you even know what's true? You can't trust anybody. You can't trust the news. You can't trust the internet. You can't trust anybody. So it's impossible, I guess, to know what's true. And we are so lazy that we are not willing to work to arrive at the truth. Too much work. Too hard. And so we just kind of go about without ever any settled convictions on what is true and what is not. And we end up living in this kind of time where it's like, well, just whatever you feel is true. Whatever whatever you feel is true. Whatever you feel is true. Whatever I feel is true. No, it's not. It's absurd. That is literally not true. Doesn't matter if you think you're a bird. You jump off a building, you're going to die. And the stupid era of time we're living in is telling us that educators and doctors and parents, the kind thing to do is if your child thinks they're a bird, you just got to embrace it, man. Throw them off the building. You think this, I'm, I'm not joking. No, this is real. This is real. And you see, there's a, there is a desperate need 
to recover the truth. And the first thing that we're doing, folks, according to God, we've got to be buying it. We've got to be putting in the work and the time and the effort to do what it takes to possess it. When you buy something, you own it. It is yours. It belongs to you. You did the necessary due diligence to earn that thing. And we have got to get to the truth. We have got to get it settled. What is true? Number two this morning, notice, what is it that we are to buy? The answer is simple, truth. Now here's why that matters. You hear me loud and clear this morning. We are to buy truth. That means truth does exist. It is not just an idea. Truth is an actual thing. It does, in fact, exist. And it is not change based upon what I think or what you think or what the multitudes think or what anybody thinks. Truth is always truth. It is unchanging. And we must determine what is true. And there is an all-out attack on truth today. Our children are being told that truth is a subjective word. That there is no such thing as objective truth. In other words, in, in, in layman terms, subjective truth means it's only true subjectively to you. Like if you think it's true, it's true. If I don't think it's true, it's not true. And that general concept that there's no such thing as truth is what is being peddled to our kids, to our young people. But we are to buy truth. It is a literal thing. Our children are being told that feelings are ultimately the only thing that's true. Consequently, truth changes all the time. What's true today might not be true three weeks from now based upon the climate of the culture. Whatever we decide is true today, it might not be true three weeks from now. Or whatever the next big craze is coming up down the pike six months from now, two years from now. Truth changes based upon the attitude of the culture. That is garbage. Truth does not change. And it is a dangerous thing. I'll get to this in a little bit. But it is a dangerous thing when we forget or deny that there is such a thing as truth. Our children are being lied to. I want to share with you two things that I literally came across this last week. This is happening in our schools, folks. A Rose Hill High School student. That's six miles from here. Who has been taking concurrent, sometimes called dual credit courses at Butler County Community College said he was required to answer a question on how many genders exist with five as part of a test for his intro to psychology course. The, the student said the instructor, Lisa Tatum, who is listed on the course syllabus as adjunct instructor of psychology, but who does not appear to be listed on the Butler County Community College website, she informed the class as a fact 
that there were five genders. She allegedly further told the class the only way they would get an A on the test on gender development, sexuality, and eating disorders was to correctly answer the question, how many genders are there with five? Photos of Tatum's whiteboard notes would appear to bear out at least the instruction that there are five genders. According to the student, answering with the biological reality of two would be unacceptable. Tatum also allegedly shared photos from her transgender daughter's wedding as proof of more than two genders. This is happening in our backyard. This is literally the doctrine of devils. Now, this is college. About three days ago, in a kindergarten class at El Paso Elementary here in Derby, Kansas, a teacher played for kindergarten students a video to help these kindergarten students learn what a family is. The first family introduced was two gay men raising a child. Later in the video, the two men explaining what made their family a family simply said it was love. This is just in the last couple of weeks, from kindergarten to college, our children are being lied to. And listen to me. These are the doctrines of devils. This is demonic beliefs. And I am not trying to be mean-spirited this morning. But I'm going to tell you facts, truth, indisputable, science. Two gay men can't have a family. You take all the gay men in the world and you put them on an island together and they'll be dead in a hundred years, folks. Because God's divine design says that two men cannot make a family. That's a fact. That's truth. And your kindergartners are being lied to. Let me say something about our school system. I don't expect the school system to be teaching my children about Jesus. That's my job. Unless it's be full disclosure, would Joplin be opposed to it? No. Would Joplin be fighting it if, if, if I heard that the school was teaching the Bible? No. Let's not pretend that, that I'm neutral on this. I'm not. But understand something. I don't send my children to school to be taught religion, to be taught morality, to be taught the, the, the teachings of the Word of God. I send them there to teach, to, to learn the basics, reading, writing, arithmetic, history. And while I do not expect the school to be teaching my children the doctrines of the Word of God, 
You better believe I absolutely expect them not to be teaching things contrary to the Word of God. Not to be teaching the doctrines of devils. This is evil. And we must call it what it is. This is wrong. This is wicked. And it is lies. It is false. It's not a fact there are five genders. That's nonsense. How did we arrive to five? I mean, why not 483? Why not 2,712? Why not four? Why not three? Why not six? How do we get to five as the fact? It's such nonsense. How did we get here? How did we arrive at this place? Let me ask you a question. What do you think God will do with us if we do nothing? Just stop for a minute and honestly think about the question. Before I go on and you're like, keep going on, preacher. What will God do with us? If we do nothing, what will God do with us if we say nothing? Jesus said that it would be better for those who teach these types of things and cause these little children to sin, that it would be better for someone to have a stone tied around their neck, thrown into the ocean to drown to death. It'd be better for that person that that happened to them than what's coming their way for teaching these young people to sin. You want to know what Jesus thinks about these teachers? He told us. You can get mad about me all you want. I'm, I'm, just, I'm telling you what the book says. I'm not the one that wrote it. That's what Jesus said. Those aren't Pastor Joplin's words. I'm not trying to be flamboyant here. This is the word of God Almighty. And what will become of us if we sit around and do nothing and stick our heads in the sand and just pretend this is not happening in our own communities? Keep our little mouth shut because we don't want to offend anybody and we don't want to be hated and we don't want to be disliked and we, we just want somebody else to stand up and do something. Where does this wickedness begin? Where does falsehood start? Where do lies begin? Jesus teaches us that it begins with Satan himself. In John 8, 44, Jesus said, ironically speaking to the religious frauds of his day, Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Note two things about this passage. Number one, Satan is the father of lies. In other words, they find their birth, their origination in their father, who is Satan himself. But then he says this, he says there is no truth in him. Christians, we've got to wise up. Jesus says there's no truth in the devil. 
And then you go read Matthew chapter 4 and you see the way that Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness. And you'll see that Satan quoted the Word of God. Well, the Word of God's true. Yet Jesus said there's no truth in Satan. It teaches us something about how he comes at us. About how he comes at the world. About how he deceives. He paints a picture that looks like truth. He paints a picture that to the, to the, to the unknowing, to the ignorant, to the stupid, to the naive, to those who don't truly know the Word of God. He paints a picture that sort of sounds like it's true. He would say things like what Joplin's saying now, for example, uh, that's not loving, and the Bible teaches us that God is love. See, on the face, that kind of looks true. Kind of confusing, isn't it? But Satan wants to paint a picture of love that never says the hard things. Jesus said the hard things. Jesus tipped over tables. Jesus came in, literally threw tables over and drove people out with a whip. And here's what God says about that man. That man is love. You see, love doesn't always, true love doesn't always look like what the world wants us to tell us it looks like. So Satan can, he'll take something that sort of looks true and kind of sounds true. And brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, if there was ever a time we've got to get into the Word of God and know the Word of God, it's now. Buy the truth. Dig into it. Do the work to own it. You've got to know that you know that you know the truth. There is no truth in Satan. Where does falsehood end? Not only does the Bible teach that it starts with Satan, we see that lies end with him. Revelation 21 and verse 8 says this, But as for the cowardly, pay note to that word. I'll come back to it. The faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. That is the second death. All liars. This is where lying leads to. This is where it ends up is hell. Can I, can I say this? It's not possible for me to overstate the importance of this this morning, folks. If our children are being taught lies and being forced to embrace lies, these lies lead to hell. What a mind-boggling thought that our children are being taught things in school that will lead them to hell. When that happens, you and I have a responsibility to stand up and do something. Say something. Approach your teachers. Approach our educators. Approach the system. If you have to, hire lawyers. Do what it takes to stand up and fight for your kids. All liars will have their part in the lake of fire. Notice it also, it throws in cowardly. Man, that's a strong word. Cowards. Cowards will have their part in the lake of fire. You know why we say nothing? And I just, the Holy Spirit's going to have to do whatever the Holy Spirit's going to do this morning. And, 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 
We just need to understand that all cowards will have their part in the lake of fire. That's what the Word of God says. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. You want to know the real reason most of us do nothing and say nothing is because we're cowards. And we want to pat ourselves on the back and think we're just being gracious and merciful. That's why we don't say anything. No, the real reason you don't say anything is because you're scared. You are afraid. Afraid of what will happen to you. Afraid of what will happen if you stand for truth. Afraid of what happens if you don't go along with the crowd and just sit around and comply and agree that whatever you're seeing with your own eyes is not what you're seeing. You're afraid. And all I'll tell you is Revelation 28 says, 21.8 says, cowards end up in hell. We need some, especially men, especially men, we need some men to get some stinking guts about them again and stand up for what's right. Men that will protect our children, protect our communities, protect your wives, protect our little daughters, protect our sons. Now, let's advance to something far more important. These two things that I'm talking about, these issues, the whole transgender movement, the whole gender confusion movement, the whole celebration of sexual perversion and homosexuality and every other evil under the sun movement, these are only symptoms of a greater problem. It's sort of like seeing some leper who's got his skin oozing with pus and fingers falling off. What what we see there is really just the symptom of a much deeper problem that is internal and the real problem that we're facing it's not about gender it's not about sexual confusion it's not about sexual perversion the real problem we're facing is truly an all-out denial and all-out war against the reality that there is a God of heaven and earth and there is such a thing as truth that Jesus Christ is King, that there is no God but God, that He does not change, that His Word endures forever, that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is an all-out attack on the deity of God Almighty. That's really What is at stake here, folks? At the heart of it, that is what is being fed to our young people. The real problem is an all-out denial of God. That's what this is about. I ask the question again, what will happen if we do nothing? For those of you that think you can do nothing, that think you can remain neutral, that think that this is somebody else's fight, I want to read you something from Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. It says, At the end of seven days the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked, From his wicked way in order to save his life. That wicked person shall die for his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness. Or from his wicked way. 
He shall die for his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. He says again the same thing concerning righteousness. Because righteous people can turn away. He says if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you have not warned him. He shall die for his sins, and his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the righteous person not to sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he took warning, and you will have delivered your soul. Let me say something for those that will try to find themselves outside of this verse. I acknowledge that this is a verse to Ezekiel. I acknowledge that it was written directly to him, that God was speaking to Ezekiel as a prophet of Israel. That does not change the fact that there is a principle for all of us that we have a responsibility to warn the wicked. God had called Ezekiel to some hard things, and God was warning Ezekiel, if you don't tell these people what I tell you to tell them, they'll die in their sins, but you're going to have their blood on your hands. Folks, can I tell you that that I, I, I do not, I absolutely do not enjoy this type of preaching. I mean, I, I, I've got a pit in my stomach. But I'll tell you one thing. I will not go to bed tonight with blood on my hands. And I will go to bed with a clean conscience. And here's the reality. You know that what I'm saying is true. Everybody that might be listening right now, whether it's hearing this message at a later date, whether it's listening online, that is mad and furious with me. In the depth of your soul, you know that what I'm saying is true. But so few are willing to say it. Why? Because we're afraid. We're afraid of what's going to happen. Afraid of standing alone. Afraid of not being liked. Afraid of being called a hater. Afraid of being called unloving. This is, and this is about more. This is about more than simply warning the wicked. Two times God said you will have delivered your own soul. This is about delivering your own soul. This is about making sure that we don't stand with blood on our hands because we are too much cowards to say the truth. By the truth. Number three. What are we not doing? Clearly, what are we to not do? The answer, we're not selling. What does it mean to sell something? Literally, it means to give something away in reward for something else. Literally. We typically do it with cash or a currency of some sort. But to buy, to, to, to buy something is to obtain it, to sell it, is to give it away. In reward for something else. So, if we're told not to sell the truth, here's what it means. It's, it's quite possible to sell the truth. 
And I, I'm, I, I'm going to submit that brothers and sisters, for the most part, that's what we do. We are selling it, and we are selling it fast. Sometimes you sell the truth just to save your own hide. Sometimes you sell the truth so that you can maintain your, your, your social status. Sometimes you sell the truth so you can maintain your job. We, I just read to you an article where a high school student is being told, you either sell the truth or you're not going to pass this class. That's the choice. You see, there's a, reward, there's a reward for selling the truth. That's your option. Sell the truth. Lie on the test. It doesn't matter if you know that it's false. Just answer with a lie, boy. And you'll get the grade. That's what our students are being faced with, folks. They need people like you and I to stand up and go to battle against this stuff. To fight against this garbage. And parents, your children need to know they've got the right to fail a class for answering with truth. You fail that class. You get the F. You don't get the A. You, you, you answer with truth. Don't you ever be bullied into lying by some lying teacher. Why can't we sell the truth? What happens when we sell out? What's the danger? Well, first of all, people get hurt. You need to understand that lies hurt people. Ironically, while we live in supposedly the most open and freeing era of all time where everybody can be anything they want to be, boys can be girls, girls can be boys, all types of sexuality are celebrated. Everybody just gets to be whatever they feel like being. And yet, we happen to live in the indisputed, most emotionally distraught and, dis and depressed generation in the history of the world. You know why? Because lies have consequences. Because when we sell the truth, it actually hurts people. It doesn't help people. It hurts people. And a lot of these hurting people don't know why they're hurting. They'll hear the few, they'll, they'll hear the few people that say the things that I say, and this is what they'll say. We hurt because of you, Joplin. That's, that's the reason we're depressed. That's the reason that we hurt. That's the reason we struggle. It's because of people like you, Joplin. First of all, seriously? Are you that so incredibly emotionally weak and unstable that my opinion happens to be the reason that you have no peace? Really? You're going to go there, huh? Do you ever think how foolish and silly that sounds? And secondly, no, the real reason that people are hurting is because they've embraced a lie. I know I'm on the transgender thing right now, so I'll just stay there. But a boy who thinks that he's a girl will spend his life confused. And then to try to embrace that lie and live that lie is confusing. No, that's why you don't have peace. A girl who tries to become a boy is confusing. You're not a boy. 
No, that's why you don't have peace. That's why you're so conflicted inside. And going to some demonic surgeon who's willing to cut you apart and supposedly change you isn't going to change who you are inside. It's not going to make your X chromosomes become Y or your Y chromosomes become X. The reason that people are so depressed and so, so, so distraught is because they refuse to embrace the fact that they were fearfully and wonderfully made in the sight of God. God says you're beautiful the way you are. You don't need to be cut up. You don't need to be changed. You don't need to be turned around. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Lies have consequences. People get hurt. We've got to remember, brothers and sisters, we're the ones truly trying to help people. And I'm going to say something that's got to be said. There's two different groups of people that really need addressed in this whole narrative. Those who I will call victims, and then those who have created the victims. They're two different people. The victim is the one that I will say has been, been brought up and been lied to their whole life. Possibly at six or seven years old is the boy who wanted to play with dolls. And rather than having parents with integrity, sit the boy down and say, you're a boy. And this is what boys do. Instead of having integrity and instead of being parents, instead of guiding and directing children the way parents are supposed to guide and direct children, we decided we'll let the children guide and direct parents. The children get to decide what's true. Mom and dad just have to let the child decide what's true, son. It's, it's, it's so mind-blowing. And, and, and I would say these children are victims. Victims of a generation that has failed them. Parents who won't parent, of educators who won't educate. I'm telling you what's happening is demonic, folks. It's so, it's so mind-blowing, it's, it's hard, because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't need to make sense. And again, when nothing is true anymore, it doesn't have to make sense. All of our educators agree, for the most part, for the most part. All of our educators agree. Six, seven, eight years old, way too young to decide if you want to start drinking alcohol. Way too young to go out and get yourself a gun. Way too young to get yourself a tattoo. You might regret that later. I mean, seriously, eight-year-old, what kind of tattoo are you going to get, man? 20 years old, you're really going to regret it. But if you want to cut your privates off, you're, you're definitely capable of making that decision. It is such nonsense. There is such a great delusion that is sweeping our land. And brothers and sisters, we have a God-given responsibility to speak what is true and to stand up for what is true, whether the whole world refuses to embrace it or not. Buy the truth and do not sell it. What's the danger of selling it? People go to hell. People who embrace lies and reject the truth of God and God's word and of Jesus. And as Jesus is God's son, they ultimately end up in hell, folks. You lose your dignity when you sell out on the truth. 
I do not know these teachers personally. I have not had the opportunity to sit with them and talk with them. But it is my gut instinct that that's the very reason these teachers are forcing this upon these students. It's because these same teachers are somewhere in their life, they sold out on the truth. They looked at what they saw with their own eyes. And somewhere, at some point in their life, they were forced with a decision to pretend they didn't believe what they saw. And they caved, and they sold their own soul. And now they're wanting all of their students to follow suit. You lose your dignity. When you refuse to stand for what you know is true, when you can see with your own eyes you know what's true, it is obvious as all obvious can be. That's why I've said before, this whole transgender deal has never been an actual debate. It's not a debate. There is no real debate. There's none. It's nonsense. The people that form these arguments are so foolish. There's an interesting, uh, if you remember, the, uh, I already alluded to the Supreme Court justice that refused to say what a, a woman was. And her basic answer was she's not a biologist. As if you got to be a biologist. As if I have to be a vet to be able to tell what a dog and a cat are. It's just stupid. But here's the irony in the statement. It acknowledges that there is such a thing as biology. It acknowledges that biology could just settle once and for all this question. Well, what do you know? It has for the last 6,000 years. It wasn't until 15 minutes ago that all of a sudden the history of biology was just poof, gone. It's absolute insanity. It is absolute delusion. And I'm going to tell you folks, you lose your dignity when you won't stand for what you know is truth. Transgender debate's never really been a debate at all. It's a test. It's a test to see if you are willing to refuse what you see with your own eyes. It's a test to see if you, knowing it's a lie, will sit there and comply and just nod like everybody else. It's a test. It's always been a test. See, how willing are we as a people to refuse how willing are we as a people willing to refuse to acknowledge what we know is true? To pretend that something that is utterly false that we know is utterly false to pretend that it's a reality. Selling the truth has consequences. And this morning... Whether you like it or not, this is the thing that's, that's so terrible, and I, I hate it. I just do. I hate it. But whether you like it or not, every single person under the sound of my voice, you will, as an individual, you will. You will be forced to buy or sell the truth. There's just, there's, you can't get away from it. Can't do it. I wish you could. I wish there's a way that you could get away from, from it. But in this culture and in this climate and in this society, with God's word teaching us that in the end, God would send a strong delusion on the world. I'm telling you, we are seeing a strong delusion, folks. You will be faced with it. 
And parents, you and I better be teaching our children how to stand for what's true. We better be teaching our children truth. Years ago, it was unthinkable to think you could send your kindergartner to school and they would have to watch a film where the first family introduced was two gay daddies. Welcome to Derby, Kansas, El Paso Elementary School. And I can assure you, it's not just happening there. That's just one scenario I am personally aware of in the last three days. Buy the truth. Do not sell it. We need to be reminded that if the whole entire world agrees on a lie, it's still a lie. We need some men and women with integrity and honesty to rise up and fight back against the demonic lies of our day. In my conclusion, I actually want to share my fourth and final point this morning. So when we choose to buy the truth, and we choose not to sell it, What's the end result? In John chapter 8 and verse 31 through 32, Jesus says this. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is the end result of buying the truth and refusing to sell it? Freedom. True freedom. I, I, I hesitate to use the word hate. I think it's a strong word, and I'm, so I'm very cautious to use it. So, but I will say this. I do not like saying these things. I just don't. I don't like it. I wish someone else was the pastor. But I'll tell you this. I will go to bed a free man tonight. I will. There are two things I want you to see about that passage. Two statements. Know the truth and the truth shall set you free. First of all, you have to know the truth. The truth doesn't set anybody free by itself. The truth is always the truth. The truth doesn't change. But the entire world isn't free. You know why? Because they don't know the truth. You've got to know it. That's why Proverbs 23, 23 says you've got to buy it. I mean, you've got to put in the work. You've got to put in the time. You've got to put in the effort to see it with your own eyes, to settle it in your own mind, to settle it in your own heart that you know, you know, that you know, that you know what is true. And when you know the truth, it will set you free. And there is nothing that will set you free, but the truth. The truth is that God has a purpose for you. The truth is that God loves you. That Jesus died for you. That your sins can be forgiven. You know, there's not a sin you've ever committed that Jesus cannot forgive you of. The blood of Jesus was shed for your sins and for my sins and for all the sins of the world, there is nothing you've ever done 
that Jesus cannot forgive you of. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You've got to know that truth. God loves you just the way that you are. In other words, He doesn't want to cut you up. He doesn't want to change your DNA. He doesn't want to change your chromosomes. God loves you just the way you are. You were made by Him. And you were made for Him. And there is no other God besides Him. There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus and Jesus alone. The Bible teaches us that God commands all men everywhere to repent. This morning, if you are wallowing in your sins, repent. This morning, if you are a liar, repent. Turn from your wicked ways and follow Jesus. This morning, if you are chasing perverse sexual desires, repent, turn. You know, the Bible teaches that all of us were sinners, are sinners, and all of us fall short of the glory of God. I sat with a gay man one time that I worked with for on and off for two years. And, and we talked about uh, God and, and creation. And, and one of the things he said to me was, you know, the, the thing is, Joplin, and I was born this way. At an early age, 12, 13, 14 years old, I began having fantasies about men. Desiring men. And I just don't believe that, if, that God would make me that way. That this isn't how I'm supposed to be. Here's what I told him. You aren't going to like my answer. And you just, you remember. I know that this is church. We got children's church. If your kids are in here and they're not in children's church, that's on you. I've got to be able to speak freely. This is what I told him. Yeah, when I was like 12 or 13 years old. I started having sexual thoughts about every woman that walked in front of me. As I grew older, I wanted to be with every woman I could. Early on, I started partaking of whatever sexual desires I wanted, sir. You know why? Because just like you, I was an evil, wicked sinner with sin in my heart. And my sin looked a little different than yours did. But the answer is the same. That's the amazing thing about God. He's equal to all of us. Whatever your sin is. Repent of it. Recognize that at nature we are evil people with sin in our hearts. And how it manifested in me and how it manifested in you makes no difference at all. The answer is the same. Turn from your wickedness lest you die and spend forever in hell. God loves you the same way that He loves me. God's answer for you is the exact same answer that it was for me. He's fair to all of us. That's the answer I told him. Yeah, 
I'll bet you were born with evil tendencies too, weren't you? I'll bet you were born with sinful thoughts in your heart and mind too, weren't you? Was that somehow now some excuse that we just embrace our sinful desires the rest of our life because we were born with them? That is such a stupid argument. Anti-biblical and utter nonsense. We've got to be able to answer it. We've got to be able to respond. And quite frankly, that's not a hard response. There you have it. It's simple. Sin is sin. Repent of it. God commands all men everywhere to repent. This morning, the truth is the only thing that sets you free, and it's the only thing that will ever set anyone else free. I am burdened, as you can tell, heartbroken. I'm going to close, though, with a question I've asked a couple of times. What, what do you think God will do with us if we do nothing? What do you think God will do with us if we say nothing? Now, I, I don't know what you should do, Christian. I, I don't know. I don't know what you should do. I don't know. If it was me, when it becomes me, I think I would talk with the teachers directly. I think I'd talk with the educators. I think I'd talk with the principals. I'd talk with the school. I'd talk with the superintendent. I'd talk with anybody I could talk with about it. And if necessary, I think I would consider lawyers. That's what Joplin Emerson would probably do if this happened to my children and my children were being forced to lie in order to pass their tests. I probably would. I'd seriously take a look at maybe trying to get some type of Christian law firm that sometimes takes up these cases for free. Just make no mistake about it. None of you are going to fight for my children. If this were to happen to my own children, there's not a single person here under the sound of my voice that would go stand up against the system for me. I'd have to do it by myself. And once I stood up, there might be a few that want to encourage me and come alongside. At the end of the day, you can't hire a lawyer on behalf of my kids. Only I can do that. So each of us are going to have to decide, like, what, what is our role? What, do we, what are we to do? I don't know what you're to do. I know for me this last week as I was reading this story in Rose Hill, Kansas, where I've got a student, that, a son that happens to attend the school. And this is happening in the college portion of it. I'm across the world, halfway around the world, quite literally. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, what is going on? And then, and then while I'm over there, I get news of what's happening at El Paso. And I'm just, and my mind went to this sermon that's been, been rolling in my mind and my heart for 10 years. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Buy the truth. Do not sell it. And I was burdened. And I began to pin down the things that I've shared this morning and did the best to pour my heart out. 
What are you going to do? This morning, if you're here and you're not right with God, I, I plead with you. I do. I plead with you. It is time to stop your sinning. It is time to stop going the way of nonsense. It, even as a lost person here this morning, look, you know what I've said is true. You know it in the depth of your core. You know. And God is calling you this morning. Turn from it all. Come to Jesus. Follow the call of God on your heart. Repent of your wicked ways and follow the Lord this morning.